Hi, and welcome to Unlimited, the podcast platform that gives voice to remarkable mothers and women from the Arab world to inspire, engage, and drive growth. For this new episode of our Unlimited groundbreaking series, we're proud to welcome Heba Fisher, the absolute pioneer of podcasting across the MENA region. Half American and half Egyptian, Heba felt that there was no media that was speaking to her generation, not the radio, nor the TV. So she ventured into podcasting and she built the very first Middle East podcast network with seven shows in Arabic and English and a team spread across seven time zones. Thanks to her background as a serial entrepreneur, building microfinance and business education programs in the Gulf and the States, Heba had the business acumen, the know-how and the determination to reach out for investors at a time and in a sector that was still widely unexplored. This brought her to become the founder and CEO of the first venture-backed podcast network in MENA, Kerning Cultures. What we're doing at Unlimited wouldn't have been possible if it hadn't been for someone like Heba Fisher, who literally paved our path. She's the one that started to tell the stories of this region, and we couldn't be happier to have her as our guest on Unlimited to tell her story. I have uh, such a pleasure having you with us. How do you do? Hi, Daniela. How is it going? Honestly, I couldn't be any better. I would have never imagined that I'd be here on a limited interviewing you, Eba Fisher. <laughs> well, I'm honored. I'm I'm really excited to speak with you both. And uh, and I like the show. So this is, I mean, you guys are, are, are doing something really cool. Oh, wow. Coming from you, I take it as a huge compliment. Uh, especially considering that uh, less than six months ago, myself and Nicoletta were still doing our own researches about podcasting in MENA. And there you were on the very first slide of my PowerPoint presentation. And I've been practically stalking you ever since. <laughs> Now, uh, I know you've been telling your story endless times uh, on media conferences and business shows, etc. But one more time, please, for Unlimited. Uh, so I'm I'm Hiba Fisher. I'm the, the co-founder and CEO of a company called Kerning Cultures. Uh, we're a podcast company um, based in Dubai, and we work with uh, our, our team is now between Egypt, Lebanon, Saudi, um, a little in the UK and in the US. And um, and we started Kerning Cultures. It's coming up on about six years ago now. Um, And I, uh, <laughs> it, it was it was really born out of um, the fact that most mainstream media in the region doesn't doesn't really speak to us youth. It's it's really created for our parents, um, and so it's it's quite alienating, <laughs> frankly, to turn on the radio in Dubai. It um, it's just yeah, it, I, I don't I don't listen to the radio anymore. I don't consume a lot of mainstream media, um, and so we wanted to create content that was that was something that we ourselves um, would get excited about, and the kind of tell the kinds of stories that we'd want to um, share with our friends, and and uh, the kinds of stories that would really capture our imaginations and our hearts. Um, and so we decided to start uh, with a single show. It was uh, called the Kerning Culture Show. It was. Um, we, we produced what uh, at the time was radio documentaries, <laughs> um, and we, uh, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, I, I didn't have a background in media. Uh, our team as, as we, as we slowly grew it, everybody was a journalist from another medium. And so, uh, we were photographers or print journalists or, or videographers, um, but audio and podcasts was, was completely new. And, and if you think back to, 
about six years ago, there weren't a lot of podcasts <laughs> in the Middle East in general. Uh, I think we were one of like 50, if that, um, and most had, you know, started in 2006 and had a couple of episodes and the feed went dead. So uh, so we, we just kind of fumbled our way through learning and really bad interviews <laughs> and really bad episodes. And uh, we got better and better at it. And and now uh, we produce the kinds of uh, shows that regularly top the podcast charts across every country store in the region. Um, we have seven seven podcasts underneath our network uh, now as, as Kerning Cultures and uh, five in Arabic, two in English. And, uh, and it's everything from a, a show about love. We have a, a series, a, a daily guided meditation series. Um, we, we do uh, quirky historical stories uh, and everything is like, the kind of kind of story that really, um, I mean, I, I get so excited to to listen to to our shows when I go for a run or I'm folding laundry or, or doing really boring household things. It's it's such a fantastic way to transform some of the most mundane moments of our lives, and um, and the stories really really capture your heart in such a beautiful way. And you certainly already captured our attention, to say the least. But for those who are not yet familiar with the concept. What is a podcast without getting into technical details? Um, online radio. <laughs> um, that's that's how I would describe it. You you listen to what you want to listen to when you want to listen to it. You m the most podcast listeners listen from their phone, so you Bluetooth it uh, or just plug in your headphones. Um, yeah, and it's just online radio and the the medium has really expanded from you can have every kind of genre you can think of so there's talk shows there's documentary style series there's true crime there's comedy there's like a full-blown like tv show for your ear kind of style fiction shows and uh it's just it's um yeah it's it's incredible that there's a there's a lot of uh, uh it, there's something for everybody in in the podcasting space Within such a variety of content and stories, what about you and your story? We know that you're half American and half Egyptian, and that you grew up between Bahrain, Saudi, Egypt, UAE, and the States, which technically classifies you as a third culture kid. So what did this mean to you? And would you say that Kerning Cultures is the result of such an upbringing? Oh, for sure. Um, I think it. I think it has a huge impact <laughs> on uh, on what we're building today, and and frankly, everything that I've ever done in my life. Um, yeah. So so exactly as you said, Daniela. I'm uh, my mother's Egyptian, my father's American. Um, I was born in the states, and then as a family, we moved around a lot. Um, so I did uh, middle school in Bahrain and high school in Saudi, um, and then my family moved to Dubai, and and I've been bouncing back and forth between Dubai and the states for the past. Uh, a couple of years um, and uh, and it it makes for a lot of existential crises <laughs> frankly um, I think being a mixed kid uh, has has all the has the has all the glory that comes with it right you take the best of both worlds um, but at the same time it's it's uh, it's also you know there have been many a times where you don't really fit in anywhere right because <laughs> um and, and then there's times where you fit in everywhere uh so it's um i think it i think it has both sides of that um but really the what i think is translated really well for journalism and this is something that um a a role model of mine articulated uh first for me and and, and i i really reflect a lot on on, on what he said uh, his name's jadab murad he's the host of 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 an american show called radio lab um 
and uh, and he himself is is half Lebanese, half American. Um, and he says that kind of being in between two cultures uh, gives you this um, it, it's the perfect uh, formula for being a good journalist because you have just enough empathy to get close and really understand an issue and and, and a person. Um, but you're also not really from uh, that place or, or, you know, that story is not exactly your story, that, that you're able to also be a little bit removed and, and ask all the right questions as, as a journalist and be able to think of different perspectives and, and what your audience would want to know to be able to, to ask those those questions, if, if that makes sense. So you have enough empathy, but then also this this objectivity, I think, um, that really makes for, for good journalism. And so I think that that's absolutely informed all of us, and I think all of us on the Kerning Cultures team, whether we're full Egyptian or full Lebanese or full Saudi, I think there's there's an element of that just by growing up in this globalized world that that you have, you know, a little bit of both, and um, and the Western influence is is quite strong, and and I think so. You're you're a little bit of of East, and you're a little bit of West, and <laughs> and I think that 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 makes for just really good storytelling, um, which which is which is one of our strengths. And um, and the way that it's kind of pervaded uh, what we produce as as a as a podcast network, and and it's it's in the name. So so Kerning. Uh, the name Kerning Cultures, Kerning is a process in typography. So it's the it's the sizing of spaces between letters in a font so that you can read the word more clearly and so that it, it also looks better to the eye. Um, and so that the metaphor behind our name as a company is the spaces in between cultures through the stories that we tell. And so we, we take that to mean um, not only between East and West, but but also just between ourselves. I think as Arabs, as Saudis, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't really know <laughs> Egyptians. We don't really know Lebanese. I think there's a lot of gaps in between our own cultures within the Arab world. Um, that that it's just it's it's really incredible to then have stories that that cross borders. Um, I, I I think that's one of my favorite things about what we do is that when you listen to a Kerning culture show, you'll you'll hear a voice from Sudan and you'll hear a voice from Palestine and you'll, you'll hear a voice from the UK. And it's, it's just really, um, I love that. I love, I, I love that we have a platform that, that we can showcase, you know, all of us. And I love listening to your words because it really shows the passion that you have and that you put into your, your job and your work. And I wonder within podcasting, what is the aspect that you enjoy the most? Um, I feel incredibly honored uh, when a guest opens up to us. I think that the the interview is my favorite part of um, of, of all of this, and I, I'm not as involved in production as as I once was. But whenever I I am able to do an interview, it it really um, it really fuels me because there's, I mean, it's just such a <laughs> It's it's such a sacred space. Um, we always joke that a, a good interview is like a good therapy session, right? And and my favorite, <laughs> my favorite interviews tend to go on for you know three or four hours at a time. And by the end of it, it's this really surreal experience because you you know you walked in a stranger's and you walk out and you like intimately know the person in front of you and they really know you as well because you you give as much as as you receive. Um, it's a really it's a really really special special experience. And, and I think the trust that our guests give us um, in, in, in sharing their stories and, and their hearts with us is, is uh, 
is, is my favorite part of what we do for sure. And that's what makes the story so relatable and meaningful. I believe when it's told in an authentic way, genuine and unscripted. Absolutely. Ironically, we tend not to have such deeper conversations with the people that are closer to us, which reminds me of Michelle Obama who kicked off her podcast season interviewing her husband. Well, my husband was kind of disappointed that the idea didn't even cross my mind. But uh, back to you, uh, what are your research and selection criteria? What qualifies a story as a story that is worth being told on curling cultures? So I'll take an example of um, of a show that we have called Jessidi. We're, we're in the season two of, of Jessidi, and it's a, an Arabic show that um, that talks about its stories of our relationship with our bodies. There's a wellness stories, and, and um, the second season is is uh, quite focused on mental health. Um, and so, in preparation for the season, what we'll do is we'll brainstorm a, a lot as a team of okay, well, what kind of themes are we thinking about? And then, uh, and then from themes, we distill it down to pitches. And so every episode has a pitch, which is, you know, a short couple sentences of this is a story about X and it, 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 it will be interesting because of Y. Here are maybe some potential guests. Um, and then we do uh, pre-interviews. It's quite an involved process. <laughs> so then we do what we call um, pre-interviews with our guests, which is just a quick conversation, maybe over the phone to get a sense of what they can talk about in relation to this theme that we have or in relation to their particular story um, and it helps us uh, you know really distill down okay here here are the people that we want to dedicate you know an hour or two hours to sit down and have an interview with um, and then and then we'll go in and, and we'll do the interview and then from there we shape it into the the initial idea for the story that we had or maybe it it revealed a different direction to us and and we'll shape the story uh, someplace else um, and then it goes through uh, several drafts uh, with with our editors and our producers um, and so every every story uh, really has this um, quite long process of production so we can make sure that it's as interesting as possible for for audiences we never want to put something out that we think would waste somebody's time to listen to um, and in terms of how we decide what those themes are or what those stories are they're always born out of things that we're curious about conversations that we've had things that we've read um, we have listeners who regularly pitch us story ideas as well so every week we're getting pitches from from our listeners um, and it takes us down these rabbit holes to to figure out okay well maybe there's a story here that that we wanna that we wanna uh, bring together. Um, it's it's a really fun process and and I I love that we're able to um, pursue our, our curiosities in this way and and a lot of the times we're working on episodes and and things that I you know I know nothing about and so it's so fun to. To, to, to really throw yourself into this new world of whether it's, um, you know, a story about coffee or it's a story about art or, or whatever it might be. And, and then by the end of that, you've, you've really learned a lot in, 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 in turning this into a story. Is there a specific topic that you haven't covered yet, but that you'd love to address? Oh, there's so many. Um, we're, we're really excited about experimenting with a bunch of different kinds of shows. I think that's the exciting thing about building a podcast company in the Arab world is, there, it's really, um, excuse me, it, it's really um, an ocean of opportunity <laughs> um, because it's it's such a new market. And so there's a lot that hasn't been done yet. Um, so uh, we're working on our first scripted fiction show, for example, which I'm so freaking excited about. Um, 
we we want to do a show about food history. We want to do a show about music. Um, there's there's we literally have a a channel in our team Slack where people are just throwing in show and and episode ideas, and and every single day it's just flooded <laughs> with a lot of different ideas. And some of them probably will never see the light of day, but but we're constantly um, we we have a, a lot of things that we'd still like to do for sure. <laughs> And if you were given only one last interview to do, but it could be with absolutely anyone in the world, who would you choose to interview? Oh my God, that's a big question. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's it's exactly what you said at the beginning in terms of, you know, we, we spend all this effort on strangers and we don't spend as much effort on our family. I've I've always really wanted to do an oral history project of my family. And it's something that I actually thought about um, My uncle, Lairhamu, he, he passed away, um, I think it's been a year, maybe two years now. And I, I would have loved to sit down with him. Uh, I, he, he was the keeper of, of all of our family stories. He was the, 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 head, of the, the head of the family. And um, yeah, if I, if I could sit down with anybody, I, I, would have, I would have loved to sit down with him in a mic. And I, I, wish, I, I, wish, I, <laughs> I wish I had. I wish we could go back in time for you to have that uh, time with him. And while for many, podcasting remains a kind of self-reflection or hobby, you were instead able to turn it into the first venture-backed podcast network in Middle East. How did you do it? Oh, dude. <laughs> um, it, was, it was hard. Uh, it's something I'm, I'm really proud of. I think we've, we've really opened the industry for, for the region. There's, there's a few other companies now that have raised venture capital, and, and, and I'm really proud that uh, I think ours was a signal that helped, that, that helped um, kind of build out the space. Um, it, we, we raised our seed round of funding uh, a year ago, so... Um, it, it's, it's still quite, uh, recent. Uh, and so that means that we had been working on kerning cultures for about four, four and a half years, uh, by the time that we raised, uh, venture funding. So, um, it, it was, it was a, a long, <laughs> it was a long journey. Um, and, uh, and I, I think the keys for why we were able to close that round were um, we had an existing product, as they say in the startup world, right? Like we had, we had, we had one show live. Uh, we were working on a couple more at the time. Um, we had a really strong team. Uh, we were small. We were four, um, two, two full-time and two part-time. And, um, and the content spoke for itself. And so I think, I think being able to hear, what it was that we were producing and, and, and really be able to experience um, this world that, that we envisioned in terms of how big we wanted to get to be and, and what the kind of quality of stories uh, that we wanted to produce. Having, being able to have um, investors listen to that, I think, really helped persuade them. And then, and then um, the other piece is just what was happening in other markets. And so if you look at the podcasting market in the U.S., if you look at the podcasting market in China, for example, both are really robust markets that are growing insanely fast. And so um, there was a proof of concept elsewhere uh, that, that, that really helped. And, and we, pulled, we pulled on a lot of these statistics and stories to, to really make our own case. Um, And then, and then from a practical standpoint, it's just, I think, raising money, and any founder will tell you this, it's, it's a volumes game, uh, certainly for, for, for a content uh, company. Maybe other, other companies have a different experience, but 
you just you you make a list of of um, potential investors that you want to work with, and you just go down the list. <laughs> and there's a lot of no's, and and then there's a couple who who believe in you. And then um, and and alhamdulillah, yani everyone who's invested in us is is an incredible ally. And um, yeah, and and we're we're building something um, pretty pretty spectacular. And and you know we're we're just getting started, inshallah. Drawing from your experience, what advice would you give to young startup owners who are yet to make uh, the leap? And not only for startup owners in podcasting, but in any industry. Advice regarding how to pitch to potential investors, how to identify such potential investors, or even just how not to lose faith if the first time around doesn't go as expected. Yeah, um, so I I think if you are a first-time founder, having a team around you is is really helpful like any 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 founder will tell you i mean fundraising is a full-time job and so it's really hard to build a company and fundraise at the same time and so you, the only way that we were able to do it is because we had you know we had a strong team uh, and so i was able to dedicate my time to fundraising and and everybody else took care of business um so i think that's that's the first one I, you really have to <laughs> become comfortable with rejection uh which is hard uh, i i take a lot of things very personally for example and so that's a skill i'm still learning um but but you do need to you know know that it it, it really is a volumes game when it comes to raising capital um and you will get a lot of no's and and i think the other piece um to keep in mind is that everybody Especially when you're building something that doesn't exist yet, um, you are selling your vision of the world, right? And and so not everybody is going to see the world the way that you do. Um, and, and that's just something that you have to keep in mind when you're speaking to an investor. I think a lot of the times as founders, and this, this took practice for myself, is you um, you view investors as these like gatekeepers of of the money that you need right and so there's this power dynamic in in the relationship where where you are you know begging for capital <laughs> to be a little bit exaggerating um but that's that's not the case at all uh, it's it's a matter of you're, you're really looking for a partner um and uh, and so making sure that a the investor has that same mindset of of they they view this as a partnership this isn't this isn't like they're looking down on you in any way and then the second is that um, that you're looking for investors who see the world as you see as you see it and and that's not going to be every one of them uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a handful you know and so that's um, that's that's just I think something really powerful to remember, especially when you're building something that doesn't currently exist. It's a lot easier to point to, you know, something concrete in front of you and say like this is what we're doing. But if if what you're doing doesn't exist yet, then then it's all about really aligning the vision of of and 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 what could be. Um, and so that that just comes down to honestly compatibility uh, more than anything else. In your opinion and in your experience. What are the pros and cons of being the first? What lies behind the first mover advantage? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first mover advantage is a, <laughs> I think it's a funny thing to say um, because it's it's uh, like there's an advantage for sure in that um, because we're building out the space, we get to we get to decide what it looks like. So that part is cool. Um, but it's also really hard because it doesn't exist, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and so... 
I can't tell you, I mean, it's really been up until maybe a year and a half ago, I'd walk into rooms and, and agencies in Dubai and, and you, I would always start conversations with, do you know what a podcast is? Um, and that's changed now. And, and it becomes, from a business standpoint, it becomes really hard to sell, some, to sell something that somebody doesn't even know what it is, right? <laughs> right? So I think first mover advantage, it, it, it really, um, it's, it's, a, it's a positive, but then it also, it's a, an extremely difficult uh, curve to, to th th there's an education component um, that, that, that you have to overcome first. And, and all of that is changing. I mean, the podcasting scene is growing like crazy in the Arab world right now, but um, so I, I think I think this first mover advantage idea is it's always a lot easier to talk about in retrospect. Like once once the industry's already been established, and then you can point to the people and say like, oh, they had first mover advantage. But but honestly, those people had the hardest job, right? Because <laughs> they have to teach everybody what what this thing is and and why why listen like. I mean, we do a lot of educational videos with with our listeners as well of like how to listen to podcasts. What is a podcast? Tell your friends about this magical world of podcasting. And it's the same case when when we speak with clients or when we speak with investors. So we could probably say that uh, it becomes the first mover's advantage once you overcome the disadvantage of being the first mover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a great way to put it. And you were a pioneer, not just in podcasting, but also in setting up a team who worked remotely way before the pandemic. Did it just happen to be or was it a strategic decision? Yeah, so so for context, uh, when we first started Kerning Cultures, we were all in Dubai. Um, and then... I don't know what happens, like life, I guess, but we all, uh, the, the majority of us scattered. And so one went to Lebanon. Uh, I, I got married. My husband lives in Seattle in the States. So I was going back and forth. Um, somebody else went to the UK. Like it, it's just, a, <laughs> it, it all kind of happens at the same time. And so it, it wasn't actually a deliberate choice for us to work remote from one another. It just sort of happened circumstantially. Um, and then once we realized that we knew how to do that well, it didn't matter when we when we grew our team and when we hired new people where they were based um, because because we, we knew that we could do the remote work piece well. Um, and so now we're in seven different cities. So we're in Cairo, we're in Riyadh, we're in uh, Dubai, we're, um, we're in the UK, we're in the US. Like it's, it's a It's, it's kind of insane when you think about it and we're navigating across like six different time zones. Um, but, uh, but it also means as a company and as a startup that we're working six days a week, 24 hours a day. So that's really good for our investors, I think, and also for, for our audiences. I mean, one person goes to sleep and the next person wakes up and, and picks up the production, for example. Um, so that part, that part works really well. It also means that we have a really broad base from which we can source our stories. And so that's why I think one of our strengths that you're able to hear voices from all across the region, because that's, that's basically where we're all based. Um, and uh, yeah, and then when COVID hit, we were, alhamdulillah, really well equipped as a company for how to handle remote work. Um, I will say what got harder, though, and we had to learn just like everybody, every other production agency was how to do remote production, um, because we would always work with local producers. Um, and even if one of us wasn't physically in the same room as our guest and we were doing an interview like you and I are doing now remotely, um, we would always send a producer to, to record to get high quality audio from the guest. But that became impossible. Uh, it's changing now. I think people are starting to open up to the idea of having a stranger in their house, but, but it was impossible for a solid six months. Um, 
And so we got really creative and we started to mail, <laughs> we started to mail recorders, these like easy to use recorders back and forth. Um, and then for those that, that didn't want to receive foreign packages, which is totally understandable, we would just resort to, to Zoom or, or conference calls. Um, and, and so th that was an adaptation for, for us. And I hope, inshallah, that, that we're, <laughs> the world is, is safer and we're opening up a little bit more so we can get back to doing more in-person interviews. And what about the language barrier? The countries you operate in are predominantly Arabic and English-speaking countries. But while on TV there can be subtitles, in podcasting, like in radio, it's either English or Arabic. It can be both at the same time. So I was wondering, how has this affected your reach to your target audience? And how do you decide which shows and what content to record in Arabic rather than in English or vice versa? Our primary audience are ourselves. Um, and so we're creating content for 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 Arabs and in the region. Um, and so uh, the majority of our shows are in Arabic. That's just statistics. Um, sometimes we'll we'll produce store uh, we'll produce shows in, in English. We have two shows in English. We're, we're thinking about a couple more. Um, and those are a lot more targeted towards Arabs who prefer to consume content in English and then also diaspora, which is a huge population and and really quite fragmented um, around the world. And, and so it's exciting to create content that, That, that speaks to, 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 to the big diaspora population. Um, in terms of how we decide what show and what language, it's, it's, um, it's really, yeah, I, I think the majority of our shows are always going to be in Arabic and then, and then we're excited about producing content in English too, but it'll always be a much smaller portion. So I, I, think, I think it's, um, it's not so much like this content is better suited in English versus this content is better suited in Arabic. It's, it's, it's not like that. It's, um, it's more just, I think it'll always be like a, like an 80, 20, 90, 10 kind of split, uh, between, between Arabic being the majority of the content that we produce and, and English being a smaller portion. As long as you continue your Al Empire show, please uh, do it for me at least. <laughs> With the seven successful shows now up and running, What pushes you to want more? Was it your goal? Is it to tell more stories, to create even more shows, or to reach a broader audience? Um, as I mentioned, we're, we're really excited about experimenting with the different kinds of genre of, of production and different styles and different themes. Um, so we're really excited about all, all of the possibilities in front of us. And so that's going to translate to a lot more shows, inshallah. Um, And, uh, and I mean, as a, as a vision, uh, as our vision as a company, we're, we're building, you know, a media empire, <laughs> inshallah, and, and, um, and really um, establishing uh, Kerning Cultures as the premier podcasting network for, for the region. Um, we love producing content that, that listeners are obsessed with. Um, and so just doing more and more of that. And, and really, as, as podcasting uh, takes off in the region, Um, feeding feeding audiences with content that they love. And what about video? Is the visual component an aspect you would want to incorporate or at least explore? You know, it's it's very interesting. Um, I mean, we're we're an audio first company for sure. But if you think of all the ways in which marketing works today, um, so much of it is is visual, right? And so, uh, you know, we we're on Instagram, we're we're on Facebook and, and Twitter, and all three of those platforms are highly visual. Um, and so, we've had to learn how to. Um, it's not a it's not a replica of obviously the podcast itself, but in order to uh, 
to to promote shows or promote new episodes to listeners, there has to be a strong visual component. Um, and so whether that's photography or whether that's short videos, um, I think that's the place in which a, a visual component lives um, in addition to our website and, and, and of course. Um, but but I don't I don't ever see Kerning Culture is becoming an audiovisual company. I, we're always going to be podcast first, but the video would would supplement and drive listeners to want to listen because that's the ultimate goal. And what about a movie about uh, Heba Fischer? Um, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> well, if you think about it, it's as if the script has already been uh, written. All the stories you told, all the people you met, uh, all the behind the scenes that brought those stories to life. Think about it. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll think about it. Thank you. <laughs> you mentioned earlier the ocean of opportunities that you navigate with the cunning cultures, which brings me to ask you what we call our paramount question. What does unlimited mean to you? What does unlimited mean to me? Um, the first thought I thought of was unlimited chocolate. Um <laughs> Mm, milk or dark? Uh, dark, dark, dark. <laughs> I can't go. I can't go above. Uh, I can't go above eighty percent. But I think my sweet spot is like seventy percent. Um, I think unlimited to me. Um, I think of boundless. I think of abundance, and uh, and I think of believing in yourself enough to um, to believe that that you can do anything, right? If if you put your mind to it. And and I, I don't I don't I don't equate that with um, no obstacles or no struggles, right? But I think so much of of growth is mental, and uh, and so I think it's having the mindset that you know you're enough, and you can um, you can learn everything that you need to learn, and you can shape your body in all the ways you want to shape it, and and um, you can you know chart your own path and you can build the support network around you to to help you i that's 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 what i think of and and again i don't i don't think that that means that it'll be smooth sailing <laughs> it'll probably be really freaking hard but um but but that i think that aspiration it's it's you believing in 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 yourself yeah and if i could have a bonus question what title would you give to today's podcast i could use a little bit of your help in this oh goodness <laughs> no, I, I actually, I suck at the marketing piece. I, I suck at naming. I suck at the marketing. This is why Bella Ibrahim and, is our marketing director and, and our producers are really clever at coming up with titles. I, I will not be helpful, <laughs> Daniela. <laughs> I think the best I can come up with is Hibba Fisher on Unlimited. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so this is it. Hibba Fisher on Unlimited. And I honestly would have never dreamt of it. So Heba, thank you so much for making this possible. Thank you for joining me. And thank you for telling your story on Unlimited. It really means so much to us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Daniela. That, that means a lot. And, um, and thank you for, for being generous with, with your time and, 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 uh, and your show. And I, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, th this has been really nice. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you found it inspiring and fulfilling. Please subscribe to Unlimited on your favorite podcast app so you won't miss out on our next stories. To learn more about our content, please log on to our website and follow us at unlimited.me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. 
and help us building a truly unlimited community. Thank you.